0: This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright.
1: Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this podcast is a conversation on the Four Faith weekly devotional sent out every Friday. You can find a link in this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe to Four Faith in this episode's description. Bishop, it's good to be with you today. We're going to be talking about Moses and the women in his life, uh, according to Exodus chapter one verses eight through chapter two verse ten and oh my gosh, I was so excited when I read when when I read your devotional because I kind of had this idea that we're talking about badass women in the Bible <laughs> so that's right I know right I was really excited and so I'm what I really want to start with you, I want to focus in on my very favorite sentence. And this whole devotional is filled with tweetable tweets, I just have to say. But my favorite is that's how God's most amazing intervention in human history began with the defiant, genius faith of a few women. That's right. And that got me super jazzed. So, my question to you is this You then go on and say, they found the edge of things and made their faith stand there. There was a number of things that came to my mind. The word shrewd is one of them. And so many men get credited for being shrewd. And I have a sinking suspicion that that women actually are um, have practiced shrewdness far more than men do <laughs> because they've had to. My question for you is this, I'm wondering what you mean by the edge of things and where the edge of things might be currently.
0: Yeah. So, well, first of all, I mean, I just absolutely love the story. I love the story so much. You know, my my, uh, my youngest son, my youngest child is named Moses, right? And so, I mean, you know, this, this, is, uh, this is an important story for us, um, you know, uh, in my family to, to, to think about what God has done. Uh, by by, you know, through the faith of women uh, and through the generosity of other women has you know set afloat this youngster uh, into the love and genius of women uh, to bring about, you know, uh, one of the most uh, amazing, extraordinary uh, uh, God interventions in human history, the, the exodus that is uh, the Hebrew people leaving Egypt and overcoming the most powerful nation and ruler in the world. So it's an important story. I mean, I, so that's at one level. I think when you dig down deep into it, you find, uh, you know, men and women. But today we're talking about women. You find you find women standing at the very edge of uh, anything they know and can, uh, and anything that can be known and applying faith there. I think that's crucial. They get to an intersection. They get to a place where they have no, uh, legal power no economic power no physical power um, and they they stand on faith right there they they put skin in the game and they decide to stand on the promises of God that God is in fact a deliverer and and they and they uh, they exhibit extraordinary behavior and I think that's an invitation for us to find ourselves at the edge of things I mean think about it Uh, The women who created Moses, literally and figuratively, don't get the credit in the story. We talk about Moses. I grew up with Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments, right? So very male, and the women were supporting actors. Uh, But the truth of the matter, when you read the Bible slowly, we must always read the Bible slowly. Then we find it comes alive with this sort of matriarchal feminine genius and faith and power. And, and they find the edge of things. If you trace the story all the way back, to defiance and faith and problem solving and leadership comes with two women by the name of Shipra and Pua who decide to defy the uh, evil uh, edict of Pharaoh to kill all the male children. And, and they have this wonderful little work avoidance strategy that they did. They say, oh, the Hebrew women bear, bear children. They're so robust. They bear, they bear children. We just couldn't get around to it, Pharaoh. And that kind of faithful defiance creates space for people to to take up agency, uh, even when the odds are stacked against them, even when the economy is stacked against them, even when the law is stacked against them. And so they set forward, you know, I think, imagination in faithful people to begin to think how can people partner with God, even when things are hard and it seems like you just can't win. And so, and it's these women time after time after time, later on in the New Testament, it's Mary uh, who gets to the edge of what's socially acceptable. She's a teenager without a husband. She says yes to God and welcomes the scorn and, and welcomes all of that. And, and that is the very womb that God decides to do an incredible thing in and through. So, so I, I ask people and I ask myself, so where are the edge of things now? And so the edge of things, uh, for me at least now, are, are trying to make sure that we affirm the human dignity uh, human dignity across the board, that, that, that we say no to separateness and separation and superiority, that we get shoulder to shoulder with Jesus and his view of humanity, which all are beloved. And we get to the edge of that now. It may mean that we find kind and gentle ways to say to brothers and sisters that, you know, some of our attitudes about how we treat other people are passe, to say, you know, if not unchristian. That's the edge of things. The edge of things is how we do money, how we share money, how are we generous, right? The edge of things are, um, I mean, look at our look at our orphanages. I mean, Mo- Moses was an orphan for a hot second, right? Uh, look at our orphanages. The edge of things uh, would be to sort of, uh, now raise expectation and raise energy and interest now in all of our American children languishing in foster care and, and in orphanages. Um, maybe the most patriotic thing we can do is to welcome our American children from our American orphanages into our American homes, right? And so uh, Pharaoh's daughter in the story does that. She uses her privilege. She uses her wealth. She uses all the resources that she has, extraordinary resources, to make space for a little boy from nowhere and from a bunch of nobodies. And this, I think, is that's the edge of things. She stood while she was out bathing, the story says. She stood at the edge of things and provided for this little somebody that she didn't have to provide for. Uh, And that was the seed that turns into the exodus.
1: I was listening and what I love about the edge of things is that it's not just for a certain person or a certain composite of people that we all can live on the edge. So thank you for those examples. Bishop, my question, my next question has something to do with your speculation that Moses is perhaps a deliverer trying to live up to the delivering faith of the women in his life. And I really, I, I got curious if you could perhaps share, I know it's very personal, but I'm wondering if there have been stories of deliverance in your own life.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, really too many to name. I don't, I don't mind being personal. I mean uh, you know, the uh, faith is not just sort of a public mask we wear. It comes out of the stories of our own lives, right? It comes out of our, our own personal spiritual photo albums. And so if, before I say that, let me just say that, um, you know we don't talk enough about it. We don't we don't use enough common sense when we read the Bible, right? So how could Moses be raised on the knee and the breast of his mother, uh, and and not hear the stories of that time when mommy and your sister trusted God for your life? How how could how could Shipra and Pua's example, you know, uh, be be a whisper in that community, and that whisper? not have uh, gotten to Moses' ear about this is the way you defy evil um, and that Pharaoh is Pharaoh, but Pharaoh is not God um, and something is required um, that is not socially acceptable of people of faith. I mean, how could that not happen? I mean, I think about that a lot when it comes to Jesus's relationship with his mother Mary. How could Mary, uh, uh, you know, raise up the young Jesus without telling him, her unbelievable story uh, of of how Gabriel how how God speaks through angel into Mary's heart and how Mary finds the courage to say yes that. and you know the little bit I know about parenting, you know um, our kids are listening to what we say and what we do they see how we live, they know what's authentic and they know what's bullshit. And so so I think that we don't we don't think in in terms of family when we think about these, uh, extraordinary narratives. And so, um, you know, I, I was born in an orphanage, lived in an orphanage for nine months, plucked from that orphanage by uh, a woman who was a domestic, uh, and a man who was a, a chauffeur and a janitor, um, and two 50 year olds. Right. And, and, uh, and so when I think about that extraordinary generosity, um, you know their generosity animates me, and it it continues to interrogate me. Am I being as generous and as thoughtful and as considerate of people as those two people? Not perfect people, but but in a moment, uh they you know in a, in an edge moment, it, you know they applied faith and generosity, and so that that's probably one of the biggest ones that I, I go to again and again and again. My you know, my mother-in-law uh, was the, was a, the, ran a hospital in Jamaica, um, married to the CEO of a multinational corporation. And my wife likes to tell the story where my mother-in-law, uh, in all her fanciness, in, encountered a woman of uh, of great need and lack, and my mother-in-law uh, thought nothing of taking the shoes off her own feet and giving them to this woman. And so I'm, I mean I'm 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 surrounded by examples uh, of people who have lived out their faith in an extraordinary uh, and quiet ways. But but you know that's why we should be faithful, right? Because we never know what God will do with your faithfulness. God is releasing a narrative into the world through us. And when when people see us, and even though you and I are not perfect people, it's never been about being perfect. It's about being faithful and in critical moments and what that releases into the atmosphere and how that changes the spiritual temperature. You know, I would I would hazard a guess that if we went back and we were able to talk to these sort of biblical heroes and sheroes, mostly they would not think they were changing the national narrative. Mostly they would think that they were not sort of changing the world. They would probably think they were being faithful in that moment. And so yeah, I mean, I've got too many stories to tell you about about um, about men and women who who um, made space and 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 gave um, gentle candor, bold and gentle candor, kind candor, uh, and who gave direction uh, and who gave a dollar or two, you know, along my journey. My joke with clergy is: is it takes uh, you know probably a thousand to one is the ratio. A Thousand, it takes a thousand really good lay people to make one halfway decent cleric. Uh, and, so, <laughs> and so I certainly am the beneficiary of really amazing people, high and low uh, you know folks uh, from all walks of life who have sewed into me. And so I think that when Moses is out in the desert, he's, he's, he's run away, he's committed a felony, he's murdered an Egyptian, he's run away, he's married the right gal. She's she's got a daddy who's well off. Uh, he could have stayed out there in his middle class splendor, and 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 just sort of you know counted the dollars uh, you know from the you know that he's uh, you know that he's sort of bringing in from, from the from his father in law's herding business, right? But I, I think in addition to the to the fiery bush, I I think that uh, what also gets going in Moses is this notion that people took a risk for him.
1: Friends, we'll be right back with Four People after a short break.
0: If you're enjoying Four People with Bishop Rob Wright, we encourage you to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright.
1: Welcome back to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Bishop, why on earth do you think there's such a strong contingent throughout history and even in our current times? that tries to suppress women and their voices and their shrewdness and their brilliance and their genius and their faith.
0: Yeah. I, you know, we know about patriarchy. We know about misogyny. It's just another expression of sin. So my, my short answer, it's sin. It's sin that we, we, we built into, to, to a system. We've discounted the genius of 50% of the species uh, the female, you know, our, our female, uh, our, our women are, are, um, and, and, and we, we've done this, um, and it's been, we've given one another permission to do this. And sadly enough, as a father of two daughters, um, you know, it gets in their bloodstream and, and then, and then women begin to question themselves, their own contribution, value, dignity, worth, intellect, um, incisiveness, uh, confidence, leadership. And that really is tragic. Um, and it's just another expression of, of the harm that we do to one another. And so, again, it's it's sin. It's not aligned with anything uh, in our faith. Um, it, because if were it not for uh, the, the intervention, leadership, genius, grace, um, uh, uh, you know, of women, uh, I don't know what the, the Bible would be. It would be much less Uh, of a book much less of a story it it wouldn't be commendable in my opinion um we start off with abraham but as i read abraham's story uh where would we be without sarah um where would we be without her counsel i think again we also have to be sober about you know who who writes the story and, and and who is given prominence in the narrative Um, women oftentimes in Scripture are relegated to a a supporting role. Um, That doesn't jive with my experience, Um, you know, and and, and women uh, historically, because they have been shut out of formal ways of expressing their intellect and ideas, have found more subtle ways, uh, uh, more oblique ways. Um, But the Bible gives women um, an incredible amount of permission to live more fully into the image of God that's in them, and I, I think that's what we want to say to our daughters, and that's what we want to say to women. We want to we say to them that you have been shackled um, by you know a sad uh, you know misogyny and, and patriarchy that has nothing to do with God, nothing at all to do with God. So, so uh, you know, one way to read the creation story. Is 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 not that because Adam was created first, he is therefore uh, given primacy, but rather uh, that Eve is created second, therefore she is the climax of creation. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, let's try that one out on Sunday and see 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 what we hear. Uh, but uh, no, I, I think we've got to think about this. If we were respecting the dignity of every human being. And we realize that the, 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 the possibility of every human being uh, uh, to be God bearer. Uh, and, and then when we do that, we throw off some of that, then we start to realize, hey, hey, God is doing an amazing thing. Uh, again, this narrative, it's, it's the reason why I picked this narrative to talk about it, other than it being an electionary, just up for us to talk about, was is that, you know, it's so easy to default to Moses in the story. Even the infant Moses who has no speaking role right? It's easy to default to him or even to default to Pharaoh and not talk about the women who are exerting agency to bring about freedom and salvation.
1: I love that. Yeah. You don't know this, but um, I wrote out questions before we gather. And my number four is just the word permission. Yeah, (laughs) and you just you said the word permission five or six times just in the last uh, few paragraphs that you spoke. Let's talk about that, shall we? Because I feel like the Bible does. God gives everyone permission. He, God, she, God empowers God's people, and and it's it's society that our sinful society that will get in the way and 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 tell people what their roles are. And sometimes we live into that. Yet these women, they took, they gave themselves permission to make things happen. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how how we might, as a society, living on the edge, grant ourselves permission because God has already given it. Any thoughts on that? Well,
0: yeah. I I mean, I I think that we have permission to... An invitation, uh, you know, by God through these holy narratives, through the Holy Spirit to be partners with God in creating God's kingdom wherever we are. And, and, you know, how I wish that that was persuasive enough for us. Right. I, I think that what these women are doing in this story is they're doing some heavy duty theology here. They're recognizing that the powers and principalities of their day to day life are not God. And they, they choose God. That's going back to the edge of things. They choose God uh, at the edge. And so, yeah, it saddens me to hear so many uh, uh, girls, uh, adolescent girls especially, already struggling you know, with, with these projections and, and, and how to sort of manage this misogyny that's in the air. Um, you know, I could, I could, one of the reasons why I'm an Anglican, one of the reasons why I'm an Episcopalian is I, I could never be a part of a church that, that did not see leadership gifts in 50% of the species. I, I could never be a part of that, you know, and in close to home, you know, since we've been worshiping online, my family and I every Sunday do morning prayer together. And, uh, it's, it's really been a blessing these last almost six months And what my kids have have begun to sort of notice in the prayer book that we love and that they know and were raised on is all of the male uh, references to God. And so we have decided as a family after a a pretty significant series of conversations to change many of the words and phrasing so that we talk about God as God. Right. And, and, and I think this is the beginning of things. I, I think that, um, uh, uh, unfortunately, this sort of overuse and, and, you know, sort of default to male language can disempower people. And so they never get to permission because they feel disempowered right out of the gate. They see the Moses. They don't see Miriam. Right. They don't see Yohabed. Um, And so this is this is why we wanted to write this. We want to make sure that we talk about this. You you talked about badass women in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Bible is I mean, it's littered with badass women uh who decide to take up agency and and this this sort of also checks the box on, box on this notion that Jesus brings forward too is that leadership is is available uh to anybody anytime any place and and so and we echo this uh in our baptismal covenant right that that we're alongside God and resisting evil we're alongside God and uh, respecting the dignity of every human being, we're alongside God when we strive for justice and peace among all people. And so, I, I just I, I want to say that the, these women who create Moses, literally and figuratively, um, educate him, love him, suckle him, uh, and then send him on his way are you know the, the living, breathing examples of what it means to be deliverer. And so when he gets in front of that burning bush, uh, he not only gets interrogated by God, empowered by God, but now I want to believe that all these memories of how these faithful women, you know, teed him up, come flooding back to him. And that compels him, even past his stuttering and his own inabilities and his own doubts, that compels him uh, to face now, to go back and to face that place and to make room for other people and space for other people.
1: Well, I'm fired up. I don't know about you, <laughs> but I'm ready to go. Bishop, thanks for that. Do you have any uh, last thoughts for our listeners?
0: No, I, I would just remind us all that um, uh, to be to see the value, dignity, and worth of women uh, in, in, in our Holy Scripture and in our traditions uh, is not the same thing as discounting uh, the male contributions, value, and worth. It's not the same. We don't live with that scarcity model that if someone else shines, somehow we're diminished. No, that's the sort of radical notion about God is that there's enough. We're all beloved. There's enough beloved in God for all of us. And we must give, I believe, credit where credit is due. And so thank God for all those females of faith uh, who stood at the edge of things and were deliverers. Excellent. Well,
1: uh friends, this is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Thank you for listening and you can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.